You don't have any Stephen King. You've got the shoe. You mean shiny. Shh. You wanna get sued? It's just your fate. You're that geeky Stephen King kid. There's one of you in every school. Okay, that's him, that's him, that's Kujo, that's Kujo. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something, something. Oh, crazy. Don't mind if I do. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King, hosted by two lifelong constant readers. We do non-spoiler and spoiler reviews of King's published work and take a critical look at his film and television adaptations as well. We also discuss the latest King news and check in with each other on our ongoing King obsessions. It's the podcast where all things serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash tower junkies pod and follow us on on twitter and every other level of social media at tower junkies pod and if you'd like to support what we do here you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for a ridiculous amount of bonus content spread across all of obsessive viewer.com's various podcasts including a deep dive into the night shift short story collection at the two dollar level and also um a deep dive into billy summers and i'm gonna get back into doing book reactions uh in particular like stephen king book reactions i also did a deep dive uh, part by part deep dive on uh, the green mile on that so all that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer um yeah uh check that out so i'm one of your hosts matt hurt and joining me as usual via google meet over the internet now not in the same room as usual is <laughs> tiny how's it going tiny Hey man, it's going really good. How you doing? Good. I've been I've been good as detailed in our Patreon recording which at the $1 level we do kind of B-roll warm-up recordings. We kind of check in with each other and and uh sometimes we ask stupid questions and get stupid answers. <laughs> um <laughs> but we kind of, you know, kind of kind of warm up and everything, but I detailed how over the last month I moved to a new apartment on a very different side of town, uh, of Indianapolis. And, uh, also I was involved in a car accident last week. So, um, (sighs) so yeah, so yeah, it's, uh, it's been an interesting month or so. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so tiny since we now live considerably farther apart, cause a peek behind the curtain, we have lived in speedway or speedway adjacent Indiana. Um, forever and uh tiny and i when we would record like tiny lived what would you say like two minutes away from my apartment yeah like not even a mile yeah so he would come over and record but now you are like 29 minutes away (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah so so yeah so hopefully the sound quality is good i think it sounds good in in my ears so i think we're i think we're good we're set Um, cool yeah so tiny uh yeah how's how's it going by the way listeners today on the podcast we're going to be finally concluding our different seasons deep dive with a discussion about the uh, final novella in the different seasons collection 
titled The Breathing Method. And uh, we're also going to pair that with a, a brief a brief conversation about a related short story from uh, Stephen King's Skeleton Crew uh, collection in, from 1985 called The Man Who Would Not Shake Hands. But before we do all that, we're going to talk about Stephen King and uh, and both check-ins and news and everything. So, uh, so yeah. So, Tiny, first of all, how is it going? How are you doing this evening? And then we can get into our check-ins and news. I'm doing good, man. It's a bit of a busy, stressful week, but... Mm-hmm. Um... I'm excited to be back. I haven't, we haven't done Tower Junkies in a while. Yes. So and sorry, guys. Yeah. And then I haven't recorded with you in general in like four mm. or five weeks. So yeah. Yeah. It's just been life uh, gets in the way. Yes, it really does. We're <laughs> like, we're uh, getting into car accidents. We're redoing doors and houses. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which that looks really good for the listener, Tiny. You. Uh, you did you just put new doors on? Did you paint the doors? Like, had what? What was the process? Yeah, like r- ripped out the old ones. Two of them, like our back door and our garage door, uh, we just ripped them out and put in some brand new ones. Uh, nice. Took it, took it all the way down to the studs and put in a whole new frame and everything. Um, nice. Father-in-law helped me, so yeah, the old ones are just kind of like they were super old and like getting rotted and. Uh, didn't look good. So yeah, we needed some yeah. new ones. Uh, it was a lot of work, but yeah, uh, it it uh, it's yeah, it was worth it. It's uh, it looks good, and we're happy with it. Nice, sweet, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah, it looks good from the pictures you sent. So cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Okay. So let's get into some Stephen King news and check-ins. Um. First, Tiny, do you have any Stephen King check-ins over the last several months? <laughs> I don't have <laughs> Stephen King check-ins. I'm trying to think of what I was reading the last time we did an episode. Um, I think yeah. I have read Carrie, mm-hmm. but I don't remember if I had finished that since the last time we recorded or not. I would say definitely not. Okay. Yeah. But so that's the latest Stephen King thing I've re- I've mm-hmm. read. Right now I'm reading a book called uh, A Very Stable Genius. Uh it's oh. written by um uh Philip Rucker and Carol Lennig, they're um mm-hmm. Washington Post reporters. It's just about nice. like the first three years of the Trump presidency. Mm-hmm. It's all it's all like first hand accounts of uh wow. from like within his administration. Um and it is fully alarming and just yeah. I mean I I was I thought I couldn't be shocked by what happened in that administration anymore but I have been so far it's just amazing how incompetent he was um, yeah oh yeah and uh he actually had a lot of talented people around him that mm-hmm. maybe you didn't agree with politically but at least they were people who knew what they were doing and he just did not listen to them and he was really horrible and uh the book is like like 95 percent of it is like critical (laughs) of of him um but it's it's just it's 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 amazing it's it's a really good read so far um it's just like a like a straight narrative of like the first three Mm. years of his uh, presidency so nice um yeah it's really good but uh nice yeah a very stable genius donald j trump's trump's testing of america um yep and it's interesting because I saw in the related ones, um, did you? Uh, they did a follow-up book called "I Alone Can Fix It: Donald J. Trump's Catastrophic Final Year." 
Uh, yeah, I just added both to my wish list. So um, I'll have to read that one because I'm sure that involves like uh, January 6th and everything. Oh yeah, I was thinking COVID. Uh, yeah, that that too. Yeah. yeah. So um, where uh, there was a couple of um books that I want to say uh was it Carl Bernstein did um, uh yeah what is that one called yeah I know what you're talking I have it on my wish list yeah. I or maybe it's Woodward yeah one of the two yeah um I'm looking yeah it was Woodward he did three books um about the Trump administration the first one I think it was the first one um was rage which i read um yeah and i enjoyed it or well relatively speaking enjoyed it um right yeah no i think uh no i'm sorry the first one was uh fear trump in the white house by bob woodward uh i read that one and that was eye-opening and everything and then uh, and then Rage was the second one. That's the one that had the quote about, um, I think, I think that was the one that had, oh, that, that was the one where, uh, he talked about how like, oh yeah, he knew that it was, that COVID was, um, spread by air and like, like, right. uh, and all that. But, and then the final one that he did, which I haven't read this one is Peril, um, which I think was about the uh, the transition from President Donald Day Trump to President Joseph R. Biden Jr. Uh, stands as one, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I'm eager to listen to that one. But I am uh, listening to... Um, I So I, um, for my check-ins and everything, if you don't have anything else, do you? Um, no, that's it. Okay. Yeah, so for my check-ins, I wanted to... Like, uh, first of all, I read the green mile and on Patreon at the $2 level, like I said, I have, um, a, a big recording of me talking about the green mile as I read it. So each, and this is such a nerdy, stupid thing. Um, so like I had done this a while ago. Um, so the green mile, it's a, it's a, um, oh God. Yeah. It's, it's an almost three hour recording of um shit yeah and here's the thing so i'm insane and like it's it's book reaction the green mile the complete serial novel by stephen king i recorded it from october 24th 2021 to february 1st 2022 and then february 1st is when i released it and the way that i did it since the green mile is a serial novel that was released in parts in six parts I read each part and when I finished the each part I would stop and I would record my thoughts on it um on that specific part and what I think about and everything kind of the same thing I did with Billy Summers um hmm. and because I'm insane I did each <laughs> recording <laughs> with a different mic setup um <laughs> and just to see how it is how it sounds in one kind of big thing so like yeah uh yeah Oh, no. on part four, I used the mic that I sold, uh, that I eventually sold. Uh-huh. But anyway, um, so yeah, so six parts, six different mic setups. It's all in the show notes and everything on it. But uh, very proud of that. Very good, very good book, um, which we will be covering at some point in the course of our lives. Um, but yeah, 
it's uh it yeah it was really good have you read the green mile i have not okay have you you've i mean you've seen uh the green mile yeah um is it on my top 19 adaptations did i bring it up that's i think i did good question i feel like you probably did yeah even though i haven't seen it in a long time but yeah because i remember really liking it Mm. so i remember i saw it in high school um and that's the only time i i'd seen it really um so yeah so i need to rewatch it again i have plans to do a commentary track for it um for patreon that i'm actually going to do with my girlfriend jess um eventually and i we i really need to buckle down and do that but um <laughs> but yeah so i'm looking at the top 19 adaptations uh the green miles number 10 in the top 19 yep i just looked it up too (laughs) nice nice which by the way guys if you go to towerjunkiespod.com slash top 19 you'll see our top 19 uh novels and adaptations um listed on the website so so yeah so uh so yeah uh, yeah i've been doing that i've been wanting to do that again with another Stephen King book, but I need to do that. I need to, you know, obviously do that with the short fiction stuff and short fiction collections that I, cause I'd promised the church of King thing and I only did uh, uh night shift. So next up, like that was a, that was a tricky thing for me because um, like I had it all mapped out and like January was like night shift and then February was different seasons, but we covered different seasons and everything. Right. Um, so I wanted, like, I need to now do like, I think skeleton crew is next. Um, which yeah, I will do that. I will, I will definitely do that. I promise. But, um, but yeah, now that I'm getting back into the groove of recording regularly, um, I'm going to do that, uh, also, uh, soon, but I also want to do that with another Stephen King book. Like I want to do like part by part, recordings because i really like doing that and it gives me a kind of a sense of accountability to um finish the book (laughs) right Uh, and everything but but yeah but anyway other than that i've been listening on audible to um this is tangentially related sort of it's media but um (laughs) uh leave the gun take the cannoli the uh epic story of the making of the godfather by mark seal um (laughs) which once I finish that, I'm going to do a book reaction recording on Patreon. And then um, this week, actually, uh, on Paramount Plus, they are premiering The Offer, the uh, limited series about the making of The Godfather, which I saw the trailer for it. It looks horrible. Like, it it does not look good. Really? Yeah, it looks awkward. Um, huh. Yeah. It's got like Miles Teller as one of the producers. Um, oh God, what is his name? Dan Dan Fogelman? Is that his name? Oh um, yeah. Yeah, as uh as uh Francis Ford Coppola, which he like Dead Ringer looks like it, yeah. it looks like really great casting there. But um but yeah, so I might do like episode reviews of that on Patreon. Huh. But anyway. Yeah. Uh we're a Stephen King podcast. <laughs> Let's talk about Stephen King. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. Do you want uh to switch over to Stephen King news? Yes, sir. Okay, so obviously it's been a while since we have been on uh Tower Junkies, but uh so so several news 
stuff has happened. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and pick four news pieces for us to talk about a little bit. Um, and I know that we've talked about this, these things, I think, on Messenger, but I'm, I'm curious uh, which ones we have and haven't. But the first one comes from Variety. Um, it is, I'll read the headline here. This is from March 29th. It is, oh, hang on, my phone is messing up. Okay, it prequel series in the works at HBO Max. Um, mm. Yeah, so uh, the series currently t- uh, currently called Welcome to Dairy will begin in the 1960s in the time leading up to the events of It Part 1, the 2017 film based on the Stephen King horror novel. The story is also said to include the origin story of Pennywise the Clown. Um Andy Muschietti, who directed It Part 1 and It Part 2, uh, is ca- is attached to executive produce the series, along with Barbara Muschietti and Jason Fuchs. Fuchs? Um, according to sources, the Muschietti's and Fuchs developed the story for the show with Fuchs writing the script. Andy would also direct the first episode, should the project go to series. Uh, then a writer, a, a writer's room is now open. Warner brothers television is the studio behind the project with a WB having produced the two films. So tiny, uh, how do you feel about welcome to dairy, a potential prequel series to it that uncovers the origin of Pennywise, the clown and the evil that lives within dairy. Well, it sounds tricky to me, to be mm-hmm. honest. I mean, uh, you know, obviously it's not like canon mm-hmm. for the um, for the King world and for the whole It universe, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it got some good names attached. I mean, I, I like what um, I, I like the production team. That's that's a good good sign. HBO Max is a great place to get anything produced. So yeah. that's. That's two good things in its in its category, but I, I feel like I don't really want to know the origin story of the it or the uh, Pennywise uh, entity, if you want to call it that. You know, yeah. I, I I feel like you know a peek behind the curtain is mm-hmm. is rare is rarely as satisfying as you want it to be. You know, right. um, uh, leave an air of mystery, leave them wanting more. I guess is. Yeah. is typically is typically the way to go but you know it, it could be could be great well we'll see yeah i'm on the fence about it also um i'm kind of frustrated by this news because i for a couple of reasons one is that i think bad robot was attached to make an overlook series that was going to be basically my dream my dream Stephen, one of my dream Stephen King television projects. It's did that fall through? I think so. I think that that that's not going to happen anymore. But oh, from what I remember is it was like it was like the some of the guys who made some of the people who made um, Castle Rock were going to make an anthology show based around the Overlook and telling the story of different hauntings and scary stuff that happens over the years, which is an amazing premise and something that I desperately want. Um, but that fell through and everything. So to have something that sounds similar to that with welcome to dairy in the it universe, like that's cool. That's interesting. I, on the surface, I'm, I'm intrigued by it, but also I kind of wish that that would have just been part of the movies (laughs) because 
because like the book has those interludes, the dairy interludes where it tells different stories about like things over the years um, that are directly influenced like pieces of violence in Derry's history that are influenced by it and all that. And like, I had this whole thought that like, it would have been really cool if they would have done like a seer, like maybe even like a, like, um, like an anthology film where they would have different, like in between it chapter one and it chapter two, they would release this like anthology film or this collection of short, short, uh, short films, uh, where like each, each short film would be depicting a different era of dairy and each one would be like a different director or different creative team handling it. And like, it would just tell like the dairy interlude stuff. Um, and like that would have been really cool, but having this independent of the it movies, or like being, you know, a few years after those movies were released. And even with it, chapter two, not really being that good, um, in the grand scheme of things, like, I don't know. I kind of feel like, you know, it can rest for a little bit and come back in another 27 years and another iteration. <laughs> it iteration. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued, but not, I, I'm, I'm cautiously, intrigued i'd say yeah that's a good uh, that, that's a good point too i think you know uh it chapter two came out what was that 2018 19 19 yeah okay so yeah they you know i think if they were going to do this they should have interlaced it with the other two movies you know maybe between yeah. them or or you know more than three years after the second yeah. one came out i think the the the, the property of it had a nice resurgence with yeah. that movie and you know i think I'm sure a lot of people went and read the book and everything mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I i don't know i i think i i agree with what you said i think they should just let the let that property kind of rest for a while um yeah i mean yeah. and, and my other point is there's so there's so much stephen king content out there that is begging to be adapted um absolutely like it, it, I mean, I love it. I love the mm-hmm. book. I liked, I liked the movies, especially the first one. I have a bit of a soft spot for the uh, miniseries from the oh, movies. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think it has kind of had its day, mm-hmm. if, if you will. I mean, the, like, let's, let's just enjoy what's already there and let's adapt some of this other stuff that's begging to be adapted. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Let's, um, I, I hope it's good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. moving on to another piece of Stephen King news. Speaking of, um, King's work, there being a bunch of King's work to adapt. Um, the, uh, hard case crime, uh, latest hard case crime novel from Stephen King later, which came out last year, um, is, uh, poised to be adapted for television by Blumhouse television. Hmm. So, uh, it'll be a limited series created by, uh, rail Tucker and starring Lucy Liu. Um, Oh yeah. So I don't know what stage of production this is in. I think it's just announced. It's, it's, you know, um, I'm kind of surprised that they actually have someone attached to star in it. So I'm sure she'll probably be producing it as well. Um, yeah. 
but yeah so i'm intrigued i really liked we both really liked later um yeah yeah so i think it'd make a great great movie i'm kind of surprised it's going to tv but me too especially with you know uh blumhouse taking it which i mean yeah yeah you would think yeah i don't know does does Blumhouse have any history on television? I'm not really familiar with. That's such a great question that I am not prepared <laughs> to answer. I'm I'm sure that they do. Um and I'm probably Mike just would know. He would. He he would. Yeah. But yeah. Um Interesting. Yeah. But they are doing like next month it's coming out. Uh Firestarters, Blumhouse Productions. Oh, I forgot um, about that. Yeah, that's yeah. gonna be on stars or something um it is going to be in theaters i don't know if it's going to have a uh i think it has a simultaneous vod release on paramount or star some fucking thing yeah um i thought it was just going to be in theaters and then probably like 45 days and on streaming but let me check um maybe i'm wrong i I thought i saw a headline that said that it was doing both hmm. i might be wrong though yeah, we'll see. Oh, streaming on Peacock. Oh, okay, I think Peacock. you're right. Yeah, it's going to be um, in theaters and streaming only on Peacock May 13th. Um, yeah. So in a few weeks. And we will get at some point, because I want us to do like Carrie and then Firestarter because they feel similar. But Okay. Uh, so yeah, I think maybe next time we'll do Carrie. And I don't, we'll figure it all out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, do we want to continue with news? <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. So the next piece of news, which also uh, briefly uh, uh, a tangent, I feel bad because we didn't get an episode out before this happened and I didn't get a chance to go see it just cause I didn't, I don't know. It just kind of happened and, uh, and then I just didn't really feel like doing it, but uh, the Historic Art Craft Theater in Franklin, Indiana, I think last weekend or the weekend before, um, did uh, a Stephen King little, like, Stephen King Film Festival where they showed Misery, Carrie, I think, um, The Shawshank Redemption, and one other movie, but in a kind of two-day mm. thing. So, so that was really cool. I wish I would have gone, but uh, it just wasn't in the cards, but... Uh, but awesome. that's really cool. Um, and the Artcraft Theater is amazing. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, moving on to the next piece of Stephen King news, uh, <laughs> kind of similar to the previous one, Stephen King's Billy Summers TV series in the works from producer J.J. Abrams. Uh, Ooh. yeah. So reading the article, uh, not long after we learned that Stephen King's later is getting a limited series from Blumhouse reports that Stephen King's Billy Summers is also getting a limited series. Um, let's see. Ed Zwick and Marshall Herskovitz Herskovitz will adapt with Zwick, uh, directing. Um, let's see. So JJ Abrams company, bad robot is behind the planned limited series adaptation of the novel. Bad robot previously entered the world of Stephen King with castle rock, uh, Lisey story and 11, 22, 63. So, hmm. yeah. See, I, I can see Billy Summers working as a limited series. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and yeah. I know this is just so, I don't know. There's no, I, I, it's too perfect for them to do this, but it would just be awesome if Paul Sparks plays Billy. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Oh, that would be 
perfect. Yeah, because he's he did the narration, freaking yeah. nailed it on Audible. Right. He and did. he's already an established Stephen King actor because he was uh uh Ace Merrill in Castle Rock. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So I mean hopefully that him as Billy Summers would be perfect but mm-hmm. him just doing any role would be good oh he's, absolutely he's demonstrated how much range he has as an actor and he oh, can just yeah. he's he's he reminds me a lot of like gary oldman how he can just oh become yeah. a different person kind of disappear just, into a role right physically uh his voice mm-hmm. can just change so much and his mannerisms every body language everything is just so He's a chameleon. So. Absolutely. Like just thinking about him in like Boardwalk Empire playing just an annoying, like not yeah. taken seriously gangster guy. And then that and then like just like the the way that he can be intimidating just on a vocal level on on the audiobook for Billy Summers and also as Ace Merrill in, in Castle Rock. It's mm-hmm. just it's really cool. Yep. Um, so yeah, so we'll see what happens with that, but the final piece of news or the final, yeah, the final piece of news I have is the, this, this was announced. I mean, this was back in, oh Jesus, this was in January that this was announced. <laughs> uh, we got, we got an announcement about Stephen King's, uh, next book, um, which I know we've talked about it, Tiny. But mm-hmm. uh, Stephen King's fairy tale, King opens a door to a parallel world with new novel this September. Uh, yeah, it's God. I'm so excited for this. So uh, the, mo- the 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 novel is titled Fairy Tale and is going to be released on September 6, 2022. Um, here's kind of a plot summary. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But uh, legendary storyteller Stephen King goes deep into the well of his imagination in this spellbinding novel about a 17-year-old boy who inherits the keys to a parallel world where good and evil are at war and the stakes could not be higher for their world or ours. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm not going to... Well, I'll read the next paragraph. Uh, Charlie Reed looks like a regular high school kid, great at baseball and football, a decent student, but he carries a heavy load. His mom was killed in a hit-and-run accident when he was 10, and grief drove his dad to drink. Charlie learned how to take care of himself and his dad. Then, when Charlie is 17, he meets a dog named Radar and his aging master, Howard Bowditch, a recluse in a big house at the top of a big hill with a locked shed in the backyard uh, sometimes strange sounds emerge from it. So tiny, how do you feel like, what, what, what do you think about, um, you know, this upcoming novel from King fairy tale? Uh, the premise sounds like a little bit of a kind of a blend of like 11, 63 in the dark tower a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Picking, oh, yeah. picking up those vibes for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Sounds, I mean, sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm so. I'm. I'm very, very excited for this one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and in the final Gwendy novel came out uh, in February. I think I haven't read any of the Gwendy trilogy, but um, yeah, me either. We'll have to cover that at some point. Um, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, another big year for King. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought I had one other kind of like piece of news that I was going to bring up, but I can't remember. So 
okay. I think that's enough for news, though. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, big things. I'm I'm excited. Um, so tiny. We are very late with this, but this is our final uh novella review for different seasons. Uh, we previously did uh Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption, uh, apt pupil and the body. Um, and it was originally intended that we would do this and it would correspond with each season. And so this episode was supposed to come out in December, but time got away from us. So sorry about that guys. But, uh, but yeah, (laughs) we're finally here to talk about the breathing method. Um, and the breathing method is an interesting, um, is an interesting novella because different seasons as a collection of four novellas, it's notable because each novella just about uh, three of the four novellas have been adapted into pretty high profile films like obviously The Shawshank Redemption, Apt Pupil and Stand By Me. Um, so it's it's really interesting that The Breathing Method has never been adapted and it's maybe not that surprising because it's just really um, <laughs> of an out there uh, premise. So yeah. Yeah. So as normal, we're going to do a non-spoiler and spoiler, um, kind of review of the breathing method. Um, tiny before we get into it and everything, did you have any history with this? I know that you had read apt pupil kind of independent from it. So I don't think you've read different seasons as a whole, but did you ever come across the breathing method? Did you have any knowledge of it? How did you come to the breathing method? Uh, I have, I have no history with it. I, I didn't even really know it existed because, um, when you mentioned, I mean, I can't, I can't even remember how many times I asked you like, Hey, what's, what's the fourth novella called in, in different yeah. seasons that we're going to do an episode <laughs> about? Um, cause I just, I, I didn't even really know it existed. I didn't know the premise. I didn't mm-hmm. really know anything about it. So, um, yeah, I, I have like no history with it. Um, yeah, I, I wish there was more to tell, but that's about <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I read the breathing method when I read different seasons for the first time. And like, I had always thought like, oh, it would be cool if like it was adapted uh, before I'd read it. I thought like, oh, it'd be cool if it was adapted. Cause I, four, four novellas, four adaptations. Um, but when I read it, I just realized like, yeah, this is very, very difficult to adapt. And in fact, it's interesting because Scott Derrickson, who, has in June is going to come out with the black phone, which is based on a short story by Joe Hill, Stephen King's son. Um, this year it's coming out in June, but he like in 2019, I don't know what the status of it is or anything, but he was attached to, uh, develop an, a film adaptation of the breathing method. Um, so that's from 2019. I don't know. I doubt that there's anything, um, I doubt that there's anything, you know, I, I, any movement on it or anything, but yeah, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. So, so the breathing method is interesting for a variety of reasons, but it's also fairly, would you say that it's fairly, do you think that it's adaptable? (laughs) I, I feel like it's adaptable as like an episode of tales from the crypt Mm -hmm. or, um, I I really just got like a tales from the crypt vibe from it or like um a, a segment of creep show or something yeah. like that 
as as opposed to like a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it it has some uh, supernatural elements to it, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like if it were told as a very straightforward movie, um, with without the supernatural stuff, I think it would be really fascinating and it has some shock value to it um and and, you know there's there's a huge huge um weight at the end of the story i i think i think that could be really cool especially if you kind of take away the whole like meet at a club and tell a story premise i think the the actual story within the story is is super meaty and could be expanded and could really have some uh, really dramatic flair to it and, and could be really good. But I, within the context of like, if you adapted it as kind of a straightforward adaptation, I, I really see it as like an yeah. episode of an anthology kind of show. Yes. And I'm so glad that you said that because um, like I, I have long said several times that I would love for, I would love for someone to take Stephen King's short fiction and create an anthology show where each episode is a different adaptation of a different uh, short story from Stephen King's canon, and like I, I would, I would love like that would be amazing. Like like the limited series or event series that they did on TNT, Nightmares and Dreamscapes, which I've talked about briefly on the podcast. But with Nightmares and Dreamscapes, I know that it's maybe not as well respected or anything. But um, that was eight an eight episode anthology series with like that same premise and everything. But when reading the breathing method, I just, I'm just so overwhelmed by the thought that man, they should do that. They should do, they should make, someone should make an anthology, an episodic anthology show like tales from the crypt or tales from the dark side or the twilight zone, what have you. Um, and make like the frame device of it. Like each episode is like the a story being told from the perspective of someone in the club uh at two forty nine b that is that is the club that's the unnamed club of uh of this novella and the man who would not shake hands mm-hmm. like i would I would love that I think that that would be a really interesting concept and a good entry point for it, so I don't know it would be really cool, but who knows if it would ever happen. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely ripe, ripe for adaptation, I would say. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I, yeah, I, I agree there. I, I like this novella. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the story. Um, before we get too deep in the weeds about it, it's basically about a gentleman's club where people tell stories and it is kind of the focus of it is, a story in which um, a, an aged doctor recounts a tale of a woman who uh, is pregnant and then tragedy befalls her and a supernatural event happens uh, amidst that tragedy. Um, that's as vague as I can be. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something that I... Uh, it's, it's interesting and I don't want to do this. I don't want to compare it against the other different seasons novellas, but it is very much an outlier in this collection because it's wildly different. I mean, 
aside from being the only one in the collection that's not that hasn't had an adaptation obviously it's the tone of it is so different from the body and from apt people and from Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption um which isn't an indictment it isn't a criticism or anything it's just a statement of fact about the tones of these <laughs> stories and i i kind of like it i i, I kind of I, I meant to reread the afterword that Stephen King has in, in different seasons, but I didn't get around to it. But um, I just think it's an interesting collection because we go through we go through the paces of like, you know, this intimate friendship story um, and corruption story. And then we have this horrific thriller of this Nazi child story. And then we have this coming of age story and then we have this out and out like slow burn horror story with supernatural kind of elements to it that is just it swings for the fences in certain respects in in context with the rest of the stories in this in this novella collection um but it is also just very much Stephen King it's 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 his it's his storytelling prowess at you know peak prowessness um <laughs> yeah it's 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 really good and that's another reason why i think that that concept would work for an anthology show um because it would be reminiscent of like you know if you're a hashtag 90s kid like us um <laughs> uh are you afraid of the dark like the midnight society and stuff like it would be that same thing and such a big big thing about stephen king's whole ethos is storytelling storytelling is at its heart is that is at stephen king's core and like to have an anthology show that would be about storytelling as an entry point for his work would be just really cool but yeah anyway yeah i agree yeah, yeah. um did you have how did you feel so so how did you feel about the novella overall? Um, like kind of in broad terms and non-spoiler terms, how did you feel about the actual content of the uh, novella? I enjoyed it a lot, actually. I um, nice. I do think it's, I mean, it's pretty objectively the weakest entry of the four novellas mm-hmm. uh, in, in this collection, but um, that's, that's not really saying a lot because right. <laughs> the first three are just so damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's it's hard to make you know i guess string four four of these together but um yeah yeah, i i think i think it's a little bogged down by the um the shell story if you will you know this guy gets invited to this club from his superior at work and he we sort of see the the actual story like through the filter of him um and he has like this character development about, you know, his his work and his wife and all that, and I'm, it's it's just so odd yeah. that Stephen King chose to kind of include all that. Like, I didn't need character develop. I don't even remember his freaking name. <laughs> right. Like, I I don't I don't need character development for him. You know, I I feel like he he's sort of our our again he's like our filter for this store for the yeah. actual story, and and I. I think this could have been a lot shorter because I didn't need all that. And I think it detracted mm. from, from the actual meat of the story where Dr. McCann tells this 
incredible experience from his younger years as a doctor. That's, that's what, that's what we really want to get to. That's the, the good yeah. part of the story. And, and you know, there, there's this kind of fun stuff at the end about the club. That's kind of fun, supernatural little jab at the end there. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's cool in and of itself, but it's kind of a, I didn't necessarily need it, I guess. It, 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 I don't think it added a lot to the story. Again, it's it's more of a distraction than anything else. Yeah. I and it's it's very much a I don't know, it, it's basically uh like I said, it, it's kind of like it it's a slow burn story for sure. And that extra that extra element to it with the club and it's it's again it's kind of it's another example of Stephen King kind of stretching or or flexing his storytelling muscle and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't work as well but what I what I kind of honed in on when re re uh, rereading it this time around was that it is similar um in structure to an, to a, uh, to a very small extent to like the rushing nesting doll, the Russian nesting doll storytelling of like the gunslinger where it's like a story within a story. Like we have the story of the, the guy in the club and like kind of the background of the club and everything. And then we have McCarran's story about the breathing method and about Sandra, whatever. Um, and then we come back to the club and everything. So I like the structure of it and I didn't mind the I didn't mind the kind of slow burn aspect of it in the in the detail of the the club and everything cuz that I think for me that really helped create this sense of um ominous this ominous sense of kind of an ominous presence throughout the club like it it kind of set the stage for me for the um for for the for the uh supernatural element that would come into play later in the story so it kind of i feel like it kind of set the pieces up while also introducing this just really kind of kind of cool sort of um element to it like the 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 idea of this gentleman's club where they just talk and share stories and everything and uh, like that's, that's such an intriguing concept. And I kind of like living in that world for a little bit. Um, mm. and then to bring us into the actual story of the breathing method, it, it kind of, it kind of primed me for it a little bit better, but you know, your mileage may vary. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and it is kind of classic Stephen King that it does get a little bit bogged down. I, I will agree that, you know, him talking to his wife about the club and, and not knowing how to tell her about it. Like that seemed a little bit, a little bit superfluous. Um, but I think really my biggest criticism of this, of this novella is that the club at two forty nine B doesn't really like, I want this to, I wanted this and want this to be a bigger, a bigger thing in Stephen King's kind of whole, whole deal, but it, it didn't yeah. take off, which is a shame. Yeah, I agree. It's a fun premise and yeah. uh it is kind of rife for his brand of storytelling. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah. yeah, and I just think like man, it could be a show. It could be like yeah. like they could have special like 
uh special guest stars who come in to tell a story from and everything i don't know totally yeah that'd be cool um, i'd watch it yeah uh do you want to go into kind of spoilers and actually talk about the details of the breathing method yeah okay yeah, sure. or do we have any other um any other things to uh discuss uh in non-spoilers um I, the only other thing I'll say in non-spoilers is one thing I appreciate about the story is detail mm-hmm. um, because th- there's another novel that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. um, kind of in the same vein and that one doesn't have as much detail. It's much more to the point yeah. and, and that's fine. I, I, I liked that story as well. But this one has, I think it sets the scene a little better. Um, I, I like all the descriptions of the club Um uh, it, it had it's, it's like an old old school idea of like a men's social club yeah uh, where dudes just go hang out and drink and smoke and play right. cards and read and talk about news and mm-hmm. um it, it's it's an old concept that's not around anymore really yeah um but it's it has this sort of um i almost like a romantic tome to it um it's it's something that uh, when they talk about the good old days, like yeah. this is kind of something that's missing. You know, we don't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't. It's it has this social aspect that I think we've kind of gotten away from in modern times, if you will. Um, and, and I just I love the whole you know men in men in tweed jackets smoking pipes and talking about you know war, war stories and yeah. they're literally literally huddled around a fire like. Indian tribes used to do and that's mm. how Indian tribes pass down their stories it's an oral history and this sign this kind of has that vibes it's 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 very romantic is the word that comes to mind um it's it's like this like warm this kind of warm feeling of you know everyone appreciates a good story and yeah li- literally the the idea of gathering around a fire and listening to a good yarn is uh, kind of an untouch, kind of an untouchable thing, and in, in, in yeah. a universal, universal thing. And I think Stephen King set that, painted that picture, and like set that, um, put set up that setting like beautifully. And yeah. then that's one of the better things about this story, in my opinion. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's something that like that kind of whole aesthetic of like a gentleman's club and everything, um. It's it's really it has a mesmerizing effect. Also, like it it reminds me of, uh, like there was an episode of um, of the Twilight Zone from season two. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Back there, I think. Um, but it's it's like this guy talking at a gentleman's club, and they're talking, they're debating the merits of time travel, and. Uh, and like what they would do if they could go back and, uh, warn people about the, um, about the, the stock market crash and everything. And, uh, then one of the guys ends up going back in time, uh, and is in a position to, uh, prevent the assassination of, uh, Lincoln. Uh, yeah, back there, season two, episode 13 of the Twilight Zone. But anyway, it, it takes place at a, like a gentleman's club and it does feel like that ain't that, that, um, that classic kind of like antique 
weakness, I guess, or there's a word that I'm looking for that I can't remember what it is, or I can't really <laughs> place it. But like this, there's a level of um, old fashionedness, I guess. That's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, right. Right. Yeah. That that I like it. Kind of that general aesthetic is something you don't really see these days. Um, not that it's really needed, but it's just there's something kind of uh, romantic about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a simpler time. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But yeah, we can go into spoilers now. I just okay. Cool. Think that's a fun, a, a, a cool part of the story to mention. Yeah. Yeah. Would you want? more stories kind of with that frame device of the, of the club or are you cool with, you know, Stephen King doing a Stephen King thing? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'd be fully on board for it. Like I said, the, the other story we're going to talk about is mm-hmm. kind of linked, linked to it in a way. And I like that one maybe even more than this one. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. I, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, we will go into spoilers for uh, The Breathing Method. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of music that I do not have queued up on the board, but I will edit it in post. But anyway, here we go. We are going to go into spoilers once the music stops. Um, Spoilers for The Breathing Method. So spoilers on for the breathing method. Um, yeah. So tiny, how, like we didn't really talk about the actual breathing method story. <laughs> um, so right. this is just such a, something I love about it is that it is, it is kind of its log line is like woman gets decapitated in an auto accident a pregnant woman is in labor, gets decapitated in a, in a taxi car accident and gives birth and does like, get, does like the Le Mans stuff. Le Mans, Le Mans, Le Mans. She does it 24 <laughs> hours of Le Mans. Um, <laughs> no, she does Le Mans, Le Mans, Le Mans, Le Mans. Uh, you know, before she dies. Um, it's really interesting and what I love about it and the way King writes it is the way that he is just so procedural with it and the way that he kind of explains it and it goes into detail about like how how the guy like kind of kicks the head and realize, doesn't realize it's the head and how it's gradually telling us like, oh, okay, this is what's happening and everything. So I don't know. How did you feel about that? And did you have any idea that that's the route that the story was going to take? I I didn't really, I, I, I didn't think it was going to come to that. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there is some sense of impending doom, um, especially the whole thing where she, she pays her whole bill yeah. early on and she, and she uh, comes right out and says she feels like she's doomed, I think, mm. or something along those lines. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of foreshadowing. So I, I figured that was going to happen, but not in the way that it did. Right. I think that's, uh, I, I, th- I think again, the shock value of this is just pretty off the charts, but like yeah. in, in a good way, like I think that's, it, it's an amazing premise that, 
a decapitated body gives birth to a (laughs) baby. And like, I'm sure within the realm of science, that's impossible. But like weirder shit has happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, truth is stranger than fiction kind of thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying this has happened or that like, I feel like this is within the realm of possibility. Like, mm-hmm. like the, the baby's crowning and the woman gets her head cut off. I think it's within the realm of possibility that that baby still survives and that in a way that body could still, decapitated body could still give birth to the kid. I mean, I, I don't know. That's, I'm not a doctor or anything, right. but like that's, it, it seems within the realm of possibility that that mm-hmm. could happen. Um, but obviously there's this, supernatural element to this where the the breathing method is being employed by the decapitated body that's that's obviously fictitious and it's 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 a little it's a little beyond the pale i feel like it kind Mm of um how do i want to say i I think it kind of jumped the shark or it's a little too crazy Mm -hmm. kind of thing i i don't i don't know because i feel like the rest of the story felt very straightforward you know, like yeah. even the, the premise of the the um, the social club, um, there's no supernatural element to that. There's no supernatural way she right. can get she's it's like a miraculous pregnancy or anything like that. It's just yeah. very straightforward. And then all of a sudden, there's this crazy supernatural thing. I, I, I'm not against it. And again, I think it was a really compelling story, and I liked it. I, I loved the again the detail where he's like describing the whistling sounds of her her neck like breathing yeah. like the, the trachea contracting and whistling mm-hmm. with her breath because there's no I think there's a line that's like there's no mouth there to turn the to turn the air into words or something like that i was yeah. like fuck that is dark and like it's there's some great shit in there but mm-hmm. um i just feel a bit uncanny valley a bit like a bit of a bridge too far i don't know it just feels it felt a little a little out there that it was the, the, the body was still breathing and all that. That's, I mean, but yeah. it was still really cool. I, I just still, I still just really liked it, but yeah, you, you talk for a second. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah. And that makes sense. Like that, that kind of uncanny Valley sort of aspect of it, especially in, in, and I hate to keep harping on this, but especially in that kind of context of, like the the novella collection itself like there's nothing like that in the other stories but um i feel like the 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 kind of essence of it like i i do feel like while there isn't there isn't anything really supernatural about the club or anything there are like little bits and pieces like i think he talks about how he read like they like they had a bunch of books and everything of like poetry that he can't find anywhere else from someone and like it has like that kind of like hint of another world otherworldly kind of thing yeah but again that kind of for me it primed it for that kind of thing but i do agree like the detail of the breathing method and of 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 like what happens in there is just so just crazy and audacious like uh, like you talked about the trachea and everything. Like when when she says the words to him, and like he says that he saw her speak that, but he heard it at the body because the vocal cords are there. Just right. like I was, just like that is that is nuts. That is such an interesting detail, <laughs> and I mm-hmm. I kind of really love it for that. 
Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I think I think if someone adapted this to like a um again like like an anthology type show, use mm-hmm. this use this for an episode, mm-hmm. but just did it with zero um zero supernaturalness and like basically at the end instead of you know the doctor comes upon the scene and and her her body's laying there decapitated and then mm. it goes into this breathing method thing and delivers the baby <clears throat> as opposed to that i think it would be cool if again just full straightforward no supernaturality like the the doctor shows up and there's been an accident and it was her cab, but she's mm. still alive. And maybe she's got like a broken leg and she's going, she's giving birth right there on the sidewalk and there's just chaos all around them. And there's crazy shit going on. And then like literally as the baby's he, she, she's going, he helps her through birth right there on the sidewalk. He's like, we don't have time to take her in the hospital. It's going to happen right here. One of those kind of things, you know? Mm-hmm. And as that's happening, another car accident takes place or something, or maybe something happens and like a car flies through and literally as the baby's feet are like coming out of her birth canal, pardon the Mm -hmm. grossness of that, something like a car, the car, another car accident flies by and like goes over and literally decapitates her as she's finishing giving birth. And then like that would like just the, the shock of that and the horror of that, the horror of the reality of that, I think is so would be so um, pungent and, and and effective, and and you don't need any kind of weird supernaturality kind of thing where he hears the voice coming out of her attached head or whatever. You know, you don't need any of that for this to be a fucking wild ass story. Right. Is, my, is my point, and I think if you were hmm. to adapt it leave the supernaturality out of it and it would it would be super effective that's that's kind of how i would see it wow if it was my if i had the rights to this and i was going to adapt it that's what i would do Mm -hmm. i would just go straight forward with it because it's got such it's got enough crazy ass awesome shit going on Mm -hmm. that you don't you don't need the supernatural side of it that's really interesting like i i i first of all i love that idea that the decapitation happens mid childbirth or like toward the end of the childbirth. And then just the instantaneousness of that and the way that it like it would be completed. Like that's, that's interesting, but I mean, I don't know. I would, I'm, I uh, agree to disagree. I I would, I would, I would definitely go the supernatural route. Um, that's that's fair. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting though. I I do like that idea. Uh, quite a bit. Um, interesting. Uh, another another thing that I wanted to mention that I think uh, was a, a cool choice for the story was um in in the moment when he's <laughs> watching this decapitated this headless body give birth to a child, mm-hmm. um, Doctor McCann basically goes nuts. Like he oh, he yeah. says as he's telling the story in the club, he says, uh, "I think I actually lost my mind." Mm. In, in the moment. Um, and, and it's to the point where like the nurse is out there trying to help him and he like keeps calling her Sarge and stuff like that. Oh, Cause it's yeah. like flashing back to when he was in the war and mm-hmm. he was so close to losing his mind. Like he, that's the only way he can cope with it is to revert back to his time in the war. Yeah. Um, I, I really appreciated that because mm-hmm. I feel like it's, 
you know, you would lose your mind in that moment. Oh, Seeing absolutely. something that, that fucking crazy would make oh, you yeah. go nuts. Um, huh. that was a, that was a cool aspect and some good writing in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, I, I love also just like the structure of the story. I know we talked about that in non-spoilers, but like, I just really like how it's that slow build toward that. And then just complete off the wall chaos. Um, I just think that that's just a really, really good way to kind of, you know, kind of develop the story or, or to, to ease us into just absolute chaos toward the end. Um, yeah. Although I will say that both times I've read the story, I mean, like the, the chaotic nature of the big set piece, if you will, um, is really effective and really great, really awesome. But it makes like that, the denouement of like the stuff afterwards, like in the club and everything, I like it's, it makes me lose a little bit of interest. Like it, it, like I'm already like, I've already been told a really good story and like, I'm, I'm still like in that kind of just audacious sort of like craziness. So that to kind of bring it back down for the, for the resolution of the, the whole story, um, it just kind of loses me just a little bit there. Yeah. I, I think when they, they go back to the club and the, the other character, the other main mm-hmm. character, again, I don't remember his name. Yeah. He's having his whole kind of epiphany thing where, you know, the whole, there's, there's books here that I've never seen anywhere else. Yeah. And this, uh, this, you know, the music and the jukebox and the pool table mm. is a brand that doesn't exist. Like that is a cool concept. Yeah. Um, I like that concept, but it is so out of left field and really, yeah, it it's not earned and it's not, um, it's at a place like it just came out of left field. And it's like, why, why wouldn't that have been, we need a third two forty nine B club story. Right. And that could have been it where like this dude is realizing that this is like this, uh, this apartment or this club is like a, um, it's, it's like an out of, it's like a, it's like a nexus of the universe. It's like another dimension. We have this weird, it's, it's like a, it's like the, um, the world of, um, uh, Roland Deschain is leading into ours and there's all this weird crap from another dimension or another version of our reality. That'd be cool as shit, but it's just kind of tacked, it's kind of tacked onto the end of this. Exactly. And it's, it's it's such, it's such a, um, a miscue, I guess Mm -hmm. it's, it's really a shame. It's, it's kind of a, it, it, along with some other things, make it kind of a messy story with a little bit good ideas but they're just sort of unearned or they're miscued or they're just out of place yeah so it's it's kind of a bummer but yeah i agree with you there it yeah and again i kind of wish that there was more i wish that there were more stories like 249b stories in stephen king's kind of canon to flesh out that that otherworldly kind of nature of it and that the kind of supernaturality of the club itself because we we just kind of get between these two stories that to my knowledge these are the only two stories that have anything connected to the club yeah and i i wish that there was more so that he could build that out granted maybe and i don't i don't know why he hasn't or why he didn't do that or anything but again I mean, he does have the Dark Tower series that does the same sort of like 
kind of uh portal world things and everything so i mean it's not yeah. like it's not like he hasn't worked with this type of thing uh throughout his career so it's not like we're not missing a lot out of not having it but i just think that it's on the surface it's that interesting kind of uh romanticized sort of um concept that i think could have been really explored uh into some interesting ways and could be interestingly explored in a castle rock kind of way in a tv show um (laughs) the way that castle rock is explored but you know right yeah yeah um do we have anything more to say on the breathing method no i think that kind of wraps it up for me nice yeah same here um how would you rank the different seasons novellas now that we've covered all four of them? Oh boy. Um, I honestly kind of think my favorite is actually apt pupil. Nice. Um, Shawshank Redemption would be a close second. Um, uh, the body would be a close third. <laughs> like those three, and in my opinion, those three are just like interchangeable Same. as far as, Cause they're just so damn good. Oh yeah. Um, and then, I mean, this is kind of tacked on at the end, um, a number four, but it's again, I, I, I think this is an interesting story. It held my attention really well. It's, and mm-hmm. it's entertaining. It's cool. It's just a little bit, um, a little choppy and a little miscued, a little messy. Um, yeah, but, but, but still worth a read. And I still, I still did enjoy it for sure. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I'm trying to bring up where my ranking is on this, but I think, um, I mean, I agree. I, I agree. It is certainly a little choppy. Um, that's a good word to kind of describe that. But also, it again, it just feels so different in a way, and it's it's it, not necessarily different. I mean, it is very much different, but um, <laughs> it's also something that. Um, it's not as fleshed out and detailed as the other novellas. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but my ranking of different seasons is actually the breathing method is number four. Number three is the body. Number two is Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. And number one is apt pupil as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, Hmm. but yeah, so I mean, that's cool. Um, it's it's good. Uh, yeah, that's I guess that's our review of The Breathing Method. Um, yeah. And we're going to kind of round out the episode, I think, with a brief uh, review of a short story from Skeleton Crew that has a uh, connection to this, uh, this <laughs> uh, novella it's the man who would not shake hands it was originally published in the 1982 horror anthology shadows four um and was collected in 1985's skeleton crew um it's uh i'll read from wikipedia like the novella the breathing method from king's collection different seasons the story takes the form of a nested narrative told in a strange club in manhattan um, I think it was a dollar baby. Um, uh, at one point it was adapted into a film. I don't know if that's feature length or short, but, um, anyway, uh, yeah, it is a story, um, that's in Skeleton Crew. So tiny, I, so the reason why I chose for us to review both of these in this is that with 
different seasons each installment each each novella has its own adaptation with the exception of the breathing method and so like i was struggling to figure out like how we would do like a double review for the breathing method because it was just so easy for us to do like rita hayworth and shawshank and the shawshank redemption the body and stand by me what is whatever um at people we didn't do the movie because of reasons but still like i wanted to do something special so i was ecstatic when i came across when i was reading skeleton crew and i came across um the man who would not shake hands and i realized like oh oh this is this is the same club okay cool so uh <laughs> yeah so did you have any history with this short story and uh and what did you think of it yeah again no history with this one i i didn't know it existed really either um i haven't read um, all of Skeleton Crew. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a little bit of it, but uh, I, I didn't get to this one. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, again, I, I wish there was a better story here, but really, no, no, his, no history with this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, same here. I mean, when I read it, uh, like I said, I was just surprised, um, th- surprised that it it had a connection to another Stephen King work. Um, the story as a whole is is unique it's about a man who goes to the club uh is it to the club or he just goes to uh i don't think he's in the club it's just someone someone talking in the club um but he's playing playing cards um with a group of men and refuses to shake hands with anyone um and then when he makes contact with someone uh he freaks out and leaves and then from there there's more information there's more backstory and everything um and there is a sinister reason why he does not shake hands um mm. yeah so how did you feel about the story overall like uh and then we can kind of compare it to the breathing method later um i i think it's i think it's fun it's it's a very mm. straightforward um yeah. it doesn't have the um messiness or choppiness um of of uh the breathing method and, mm. and i think it's it's much more straightforward and I, and i appreciate that about it um and again just just a a, a fun really cool idea yeah um for a, for a short story mm. um it reminds me a little bit of stephen king's other another novel of his called thinner oh yes absolutely I haven't, um, I haven't read or seen thinner, but I, yes, yes, very much. I, I feel like, um, the whole kind of like, uh, like the whole kind of like the idea of someone being cursed mm-hmm. by like a witch doctor or some, some yeah. strange, um, tribal, tribal religion where there's an elder who has this power. Um, it's, it's kind of a, um, an easy plot device yeah. to apply to, to do some, some like crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also just works, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's simple, but it's, 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 uh, um, it's an easy to understand premise and you can do so much with it. Yeah. Um, like I, I actually read thinner, um, like a long time ago, mm-hmm. I was probably like in high school, but, um, I remember thinking like, oh, this is, you know, it's, it's a little goofy, but mm-hmm. this is a very compelling story. Um, yeah. and, and like, I, like I said, you can just do so much with that. You can do anything you want because mm-hmm. 
it's it's because it's something we don't understand or it's something that's yeah. um uh so so widely applicable that it's mm-hmm. you can just do whatever you want with it and, and and that's that that's why it's a good storytelling device um and and in this this story it it worked well i mean it's it's uh yeah. Th- there's this kind of noirish investigative aspect mm-hmm. to the story where you know the guy's going out trying to figure out what happened to this guy and that you know you get these kind of little vignettes of 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 how what this guy was like and and um again i, I appreciated the simplicity of it and yeah. it's just a fun little story yeah i absolutely agree and i think part of that um that intrigue of like kind of like um like a like a different culture curse kind of thing um i think mm-hmm. that also really plays into i mean frankly like western ignorance um yeah it's, <laughs> like it's a little tricky it's like a little yeah. um xenophobic a, a little bit it's it's like a um it's playing on the kind of what could be construed as like closed mindedness of like Western culture, like where we like, we're ignorant of, you know, other cultures. So like they scare us. It's like, it is playing into some kind of like prejudices and everything. And maybe in some forms it's, it's kind of, it can be very offensive and everything, but um, in some others, it's just, it's, it's the kind of the same concept of just like you know folklore like horror in like folklore and everything um right so yeah 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 um there's is there also a bit of i'm thinking another another uh link here Mm -hmm. that we can draw another parallel we can draw i'm trying to remember in um misery Mm -hmm. bit of a i don't i don't know if this is really a spoiler but in misery, Paul Sheldon is writing another book in his series for Annie Wilkes, mm-hmm. and she gets mad at him because he starts that story out, and he's like the the character just kind of comes back, mm-hmm. but she she says it's like it's kind of unearned, and so doesn't he kind of t- employ something similar to this, where like a witch doctor brings I, her back to life or something like that? I think so. I I remember there being something about bees bees yeah that's right so he, that's right he, he that's what he tried to do first i want to oh, say he okay. tried to say like oh she got stung by a bee but it was actually just it made everyone think she was dead but she's mm. not actually dead that's and then right. she comes back and she's she's mad because that's a cop-out or yeah. whatever you know that, and, and and then i think he changes it to where she gets brought back to life by a witch doctor or some kind of like okay. something similar to that. If I remember correct, I, I was, I was curious if you remembered exactly what happened. Yeah, I don't. And it's weird. Cause I've read that book so many times, but right, uh, same here. Yeah. But I don't, I don't really remember, but yeah, it is something similar to that. I think. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. And, and I think Paul Sheldon even says, uh, or thinks, you know, as the audience, we're, you know, seeing it through his thoughts that like, this is a simple way to do this. Cause, cause kind of like the same things that I just said, like, it's easy, it's an easy thing yeah. to do because it's, you can do so much with it. It right. has, it has no limitations. You can do whatever you want. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's very adaptable. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Hmm. Um, just a quick thing. Another, another thing I liked about uh, the man who would not shake hands. I like the, um, I, I like the, how this happens. Like, I feel like the dude who, who comes up and shakes his hands mm-hmm. after the card game, it's, it's, a um, it was just a fun premise because I feel like the guy is like hammered and he's like, Hey, what's up, yeah. man? And just like, kind of, it's kind of like one of those things where you can't stop what's happening. It's like right. a train wreck. Or something and then it's, oh, yeah. it's like a slow motion train wreck. And this guy's like, Hey, what's up, dude. And, <laughs> and the guy, um, what was his name? Brower, Brower. something. Yeah. That was another thing. Yeah, Henry, Henry Brower. Brower, which sounds a lot like Henry Bowers. Um, yeah. From it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the description of Henry Brower, like the sheer horror when the guy shakes yeah. his hand, I appreciated that, um, that context and that, uh, yeah. that, that description was really, really vivid. Like it's, it's really fun because it's this energy, the, the energy of it. It's like, you don't yeah. necessarily, it's not really read or it's not really written necessarily like a traditional, like Stephen King, like ticking time bomb kind of thing. Like we're introduced to Brower and how he like refuses to shake hands. He gives some, like some kind of, um, he gives some kind of uh, like, uh, I don't know, uh, an explanation like, Oh yeah, I spent time over here and, you know, picked up some customs and everything or, or got sick. I don't know. So I don't shake hands like just kind of blowing it off. But like, we know obviously there's something else at play here and so the way that the guy gets up to shake his hand and everything is like, it's this, like you said, this drunken kind of outburst, but it's also like of, of this like jovial, like, Oh man, you just won so much money in this card game. Like, Oh, Hey, congratulations. And it's just so sudden and quick. And that shift in tone with Brower being like, Oh my God, what have I done? Or what's happened and everything. It's just, it's really, I, I really like that aspect of it. And the brevity of the story. It's a very short story. And also Mm -hmm. again, man, this would be a really, a really fun uh, episode of anthology television. (laughs) Um, totally. Yeah. Especially with the ending being, being what it is. I I don't think we should really go into detail about the ending, uh, kind of keep that open for people to read it, but like it, it definitely has like a, a nice like sting at the end. Um, that just feels like, it feels like a campfire story. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it also has a bit of a, um, I think I mentioned it earlier, this investigative kind of noirish yeah. mystery part to it after we've, you know, mm-hmm. that was really satisfying. Um, it I was agree. a bit, maybe a bit deus ex machina kind of thing, but, sure. but not, not an egregious way. Yeah. Like, it was, I, I don't. I don't think a Deus Ex Machina has to be like a. Um, uh, it doesn't have to be a negative thing, in my opinion. No. It, can, it can. It can be an effective tool. You know. Yeah. It. It was. I felt like it was a relatively organic way to. Uh, get us the information that we need, and like to to bring right. us that information in a in a way that is pretty pretty compelling on its own as a dramatic kind of set piece. I, I kind of. Right. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, do we have any other thoughts on the man who would not shake hands? No, I don't think so. Okay, cool. Should we start to wind down then? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, does this, so does the man who would not shake hands, does this make you want to read more of Skeleton Crew or more short fiction or what have you? Definitely. Yeah. I, I like, um, 
I like how digestible it is and how, yeah. um, you know, the serial nature or the, you know, just the, uh, mm. the quick nature of it is, is really fun. Um, cause I, you know, we all, for the most part, we don't read a book in a whole sitting, right. We sp- spread it out. And so this makes it like, Oh, this sitting, I'm going to consume this story. And that's, mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about where I left off or any of that. So it's, yeah. I, it, it, this, reading different seasons and then this um makes me want to explore more short fiction for sure nice yeah me too i'm gonna hopefully resurrect the church of king and maybe dive into i think skeleton crew is the next one um so yeah i'm gonna do that soon i promise so check out patreon.com slash obsessive viewer um but yeah uh any any party thoughts for the podcast or should we kind of close it out I think we should close it out. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. And I don't know what we're doing next time. I think next time, did you want to start or kind of dive into Carrie and then do Firestarter after? Yeah, that works. Okay, sweet. So yeah, with that, we're going to be doing Carrie the novel, Carrie the De Palma movie, Carrie the TV miniseries, if you want to, Tiny. <laughs> okay. And then also the 2013 Carrie movie. Um, and then mm-hmm. after that, we'll do Firestarter, the novel and, uh, the two adaptations now. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's what's on the docket for, uh, for tower junkies. And now that we finished different seasons, I also want to do another novella collection. Uh, so at some point this year, we're going to start doing a four part series on four, four past midnight. And I'm very excited about that because there is some, like Four Past Midnight's an interesting novella collection because it is similar in structure or similar in style because it's four novellas, uh, two different seasons. But it is it is just it is horror. It is it is a horror collection, and there's some really fun, really cool stuff in there. Um, especially like the Langoliers. I'm super excited to talk to you about that because it's just it is such a it's an, it's an example of Stephen King just doing like a love letter to one of his, like some of his influences in most namely the twilight zone. So, uh, I just, I really dig it. So I'm excited for us to, to kind of dive into that eventually. But first up is Carrie and, uh, Firestarter. But, uh, but yeah, um, any other thoughts, uh, anything else we need to cover? No, I think we're good. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tiny, for joining me for uh, this discussion. And uh, uh, as late as it is uh, for different <laughs> seasons. But but yeah, uh, yeah. watch next time we're going to do stuff. Check out patreon.com slash obsessive viewer uh, for more content and everything. And uh, I'm going to start playing this out. And uh, yeah, so yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. So yeah, so I moved. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an experience. Thank you for helping. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if... I don't think I told you mm-hmm. or if you, I don't know if you noticed, but like I was having like the worst asthma attack I've had in like 
10 or 12 years. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, because like... I feel like just, such a dick. I hadn't... No, I, I didn't want you to feel bad because mm. like I should have known better. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> normally when I come over to your place, I don't really have any issues. Like, yeah. It's, it's oh, was it problem. strictly because of pizza? And Clarence even. No, I think it's because like in your old apartment, just mm-hmm. all like you've had you've had a cat there for oh, seven yeah. years or whatever, and yeah. like moving, moving everything around and kicking up all the dander and yeah. that fur. Just like it was, I had to come home and use my inhaler oh, for the first geez. time. My inhaler had expired like six years ago. Oh wow! <laughs> but it still worked fine. I was I was fine. It was mm-hmm. just it was I haven't had that in like so long. It was so wow. weird. Yeah. I'm so glad I didn't kill you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it wouldn't have killed me. But, yeah. Uh, wow. But yeah. Like, like when we like after driving away from your old place for a while mm. and like going to your new place, I was yeah. better. Like I wasn't like struggling or anything, but just right. in, in your old place, just kick it, kicking everything up. It was just, yeah. man, it really set me off. It was weird. Damn. I, yeah, I didn't even notice. Wow. Okay. What an yeah, ass. I, I didn't want you to, um, <laughs> I didn't want you to feel bad. No. Uh wow, dang. Um yeah. This podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at obsessiveviewer.com/podcasts. For exclusive bonus content including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com/obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.